Traveling the Vortex. We join Davros as he travels the multiverse and arrives in episode 534, Race Fast, Safe Car. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's it going, guys? It's good now that I'm over my COVID. <laughs> it was always good to recover from COVID. <laughs> All right. Uh, first, apologies to listeners that it's uh, been a few weeks, um, because not only did we run up against the holidays, but um, I also ended up with COVID and was out for a, a while. So apologies that, uh, but we're back. We're back now. The bad news is I got COVID. The good news is I got a lot of stuff watched. <laughs> A lot of stuff watched. <laughs> so what'd you watch? What'd you watch? Glenn? I'm just going to run down them really quick. I'm not going to do in-depth reviews about them, but I watched uh, Love Gilda, which is the Gilda Radner um, documentary about her life. I saw, finally saw Black Adam, which was pretty good. I, uh, I it was It's nothing, you know, phenomenal and great and wonderful, but I think it's better than the reviews it's been getting. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was a fun film. I don't get um, the hate on it. In preparations of watching A Christmas Story Christmas, I decided that I wanted to watch A Christmas Story 2, which was that low-budget remake, or not remake, a low-budget sequel that they did. Uh, oh, I forgot I all 20, about that Yeah, one. back in 2012, um, the only person that I was familiar with in it was, uh, oh, now I can't remember his name. Is it Daniel? No. Oh, no. Uh, he was one of the Wet Bandits, the tall guy, da- Daniel Stern? Uh, Daniel Stern. Stern was played uh, the old man in it. Um, it's not terrible, but it's not a good, it's not a worthy sequel. And I think the, the, it's, it's Ralphie and he's in high school now. And now he wants a car as opposed to a a BB gun. Uh, Uh, and the kid that's playing Ralphie, I think took it a little, I think, I know what they were trying to do with the character, but I think he was a little over the top. Everybody else was kind of, you know, probably tempered enough and, and similar to the characters in the first film, but they just, yeah, he was, he was a little too over the top and I think he was being pushed to be that way. So. Uh, but then I did end up watching A Christmas Story Christmas, which is a much better sequel. Much better sequel. Um, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I watched Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Um, I don't want to disappoint <laughs> Sean too much, but I wasn't a fan. I, I give it about two and a half. I give it about two and a half stars. So here's the thing. I really appreciate what what they were doing. I know what they were going for. I got the joke. And it makes sense for Al. However, I think it was just, there was too much silly. And I did, I mean, I know it's supposed to be silly, but it, it would, it is a good funny or doy short film. It is not a good feature length film. Um, so I just, I didn't like it. I'm, I, and I loved UHF. I love, I love all of Weird Al Yankovic's mu- music. I just, this one didn't land for me. This parody didn't land for me. <laughs> Um, I watched the night before, which is the one about, uh, well, it's a stoner Christmas. Um, it it was not good. I did not like it. Uh, I watched violent night, the new one, uh, with, um, Oh, what's his name? Uh, David Harbor. Yeah. David Harbor. Um, good movie. Hyper violence gets in the way. Uh, didn't need to be there, but it's a good movie. I like the premise. They could have easily probably, made it PG-13, and it has been as good as it was. It did not need to be hyper-violent. I'm getting old, and I think my sensibility for violence is probably going down. Uh, I watched 8-Bit Christmas, which probably was the one of the best things I watched. Um, it's uh, basically a Christmas story for our generation. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. It's the one with Neil Patrick Harris, and he's telling the story to his daughter of how he got his Nintendo entertainment system and his daughter, his daughter, his uh, sister ended up getting a cabbage patched kid. And it's kind of their, it's, it's a coming of age story set at Christmas when they were kids and hijinks ensue. And it's, it's really good. I really, really enjoyed it. Five stars on that one. And then I'll bump that up a little higher on the list for next year. Then I saw a bad mom's Christmas come across one of my feeds. So I decided, well, I couldn't watch that without watching bad moms. And so I watched it. That's the one with, uh, Christina Applegate, Mila Kunz, um, Christian Bell, Christian Bell and, um, Agatha, um, 
Hahn. Uh, Hahn, Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn. Uh, good movie. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, pretty silly, uh, but but fun and interesting, and I liked it. Um, a Bad Mon's Christmas, on the other hand, not a very good movie. <laughs> uh, it's a sequel, and, and of course, it 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 understandably so brings their moms into it, and uh, that's uh, Susan Sarandon. Uh, and I can't remember the other two actresses. Um, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't great. And then here's the other one that Sean's going to be upset that I didn't like. Everything, everywhere, all at once. <gasps> you take that wow. back, sir. Absolutely love the premise of it. I completely appreciate that the originality and w- and where what they were trying to do. There's way too much silly that gets in the way. Way too much silly gets into the way of of a good story. And so that was enough to really derail it for me as far as enjoyment. Huh. And that was it. Quite a bit. <laughs> it was quite a bit. When you're yeah, all you can do is lay on a couch all day. <laughs> you just kinda hit stream this, stream this. You had an eventful COVID. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I've watched that many films altogether. Here it from that's from the nineteenth to the twenty fourth. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> What's that? Five days? Five days and that many films, and that that's not including ones that I I didn't put on Letterbox because I actually still watched Christmas Vacation, Love Actually, uh, some of my Christmas staples, Muppet uh, Christmas Carol. There was one other Christmas one that I watched that is a oh uh, Die Hard. So I, those were even on top of Wait, everything that I just said. Those were just new ones that I hadn't seen yet. <laughs> that I'm <laughs> crazy. Anyway, what'd you guys do? We introduced the kids to Nightmare Before Christmas. Ooh, they were, what they think? Okay. I don't think they loved it, but and they might they still be a little too young pay. for it. Yeah, Liam loved Chris loved Halloween so much this year, and then was afterwards watching YouTube videos that featured Jack Skellington, and I was like, well, maybe he might be interested in kind of you know bridging that gap. And uh-huh. they were interested for a little bit, and kind of lost interest after a while. Yeah. So, but that's kind of be expected <clears throat> at that age. They made it through most of it, though, so I was impressed by that. That's good. Other than that, uh, I finally got Orville Season 3 finished. Yay! Which was good, but it felt a little too drawn out. It felt like they could have tightened it up a little bit. I don't know why some of those episodes were an hour and a half. (laughs) It just felt very long. Good. Good storytelling. (laughs) And... the the growth of the show as a show and what it's doing, I heartily applaud. I just kind of wished it was a bit more condensed. Mm. I had to sit, watch some of them in two sittings because it just got too late at night and I needed to go to bed. So I'd rather be able to sit, have them a little shorter and maybe do two-parters out of them instead of one long episode through some of them. Huh. That was my only complaint with it, though. I thought it was great. And we had a good Christmas Everyone came to us, and the kids enjoyed all their presents, and really got into opening everything. So, yay! How about you, Sean? Well, um, I will also do a, a quick rundown. Like Glenn, I, I kind of binged a whole ton of uh, new to me Christmas movies, um, including The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, which I'd never heard of. <laughs> uh, but it's a, a Rankin and Bass, and it's oh yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know it was based on a book either by, uh, uh, uh what's his name? Dahl. And, oh, um, yeah, it's, it was an interesting one. <laughs> That's all <laughs> I can say about that one. Um, we watched Spirited, the Ryan Reynolds, Will Ferrell movie. And I will oh, be honest, man. I went into that very skeptical because Will Ferrell's not my favorite. And, you know, I, I love Ryan Reynolds, but I'm kind of tired of the Ryan Reynolds shtick. Uh, and I knew I was going to get both of them. And I will say this. Uh, first of all, it's a musical from the same group that did The Greatest Showman. And it is a surprisingly different and fresh take on A Christmas Carol. Huh. They made me care about that story again, which is really tough to do anymore because, you know, it's been done and done and done and done. And we've had Muppet Christmas Carol, so we're kind of done with it. We, we don't have to do it again. We've reached the apex. That, that's exactly it. But this was a very cool way to tackle the material. 
Um, so we enjoyed that one immensely. We also watched Violent Night, <laughs> which I think Mel and I probably enjoyed a little bit more than Glenn did because we don't mind the hyperviolence, at least not yet. Um, but I just loved the fact that it was very knowingly playing with the genre of Christmas movies while acknowledging that it itself was a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. If you know what I mean. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, and we also watched Christmas Story Christmas, which I agree with you. I just felt it was just a, a you know, there, there's a certain amount of, well, this feels like a cash grab or this feels like you're doing it just for, this didn't have any of that. This one really felt like its heart was in the right place and the nostalgia was there. And uh, most importantly, the ghost of Darren McGavin loomed yeah, large, yeah. <laughs> but it was done in a very respectful, touching way. And uh, I, I, I really, I was really surprised by that one. Appreciated it. And uh, we also did make it out to see Avatar, mm. and it is amazing. Is it as good as the first one, in your opinion? That's a really tough call to make, quite honestly. Um, visually, the effects work is just beyond stunning. I mean, you you cannot tell what's real, what isn't. There's no quote unquote obvious effects. You you just completely fall under the spell that is Pandora and everything is gorgeous and impressive and, and amazing. I think the impact is a little lessened just because we have seen it before. Mm -hmm. And so stepping back into that world is exciting, but it doesn't hit you over the head with the splendor of it necessarily, but it's so much a, a, a bigger, the story is better. The vistas are bigger because we're traveling to other parts of the planet now and including the oceans and uh, the biomes and whatnot. And, um, it's the the first part is kind of a recap and dealing with the fallout of the first film. Mm -hmm. The middle section is very much a Pandora travel log, so it's come see the beauty of the planet. And then the uh, the, the third act is kind of uh, the action set piece, which is James Cameron's greatest hits, because there's a little bit of Abyss, there's a little bit of Titanic, there's a little bit of Aliens, there's a little bit of Terminator. I mean, it just kind of all. It feels familiar, but it's in a good way. And you're going, yeah. And I'm, man, I'm ready for the third one. So, Was it worth the long wait? That's another really tough question. I know a lot of people have been asking, you know, does, we, does anybody even care about Avatar anymore? And I've always been, and admittedly, yeah, I'm a Cameron fanboy. So I've never understood the people who like you know i get not liking a movie i can understand that but the ones that are just actively oh i'm so disinterested in that it's like eh. but you have to admit it was impressive for what it did you know for the time it came out and everybody that's betting against cameron it's like you should know better <laughs> the dude's got when he's directed two of the top five grossing films of all time he probably knows what he's doing and uh you know we, we've already today cleared a billion dollars worldwide so it's halfway to being profitable uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just, all of that aspect of it alone just makes me go oh. that that to me honestly that's one of the things i appreciate about him so much is just the, the, the you know can you imagine spending all this money and, and and getting on the board getting the studio behind this and then on the press tour making that statement yeah it has to be like the number four or five top grossing film of all time just to break even how many studio executives have heart attacks <laughs> when they suddenly started doing the math <laughs> just but uh no, I was excited to go back, and I, I did. I fell right back into it again. We watched the rewatched the first one beforehand, but uh, even the you know quote unquote gimmicky 3D, which I've never felt was a gimmick with Avatar. It's it's like looking through a picture window, and it's just so easy to get sucked back into the splendor of this world. It's really cool. So yeah, I thought it was very worthwhile. Maybe just a half step below the first one, but but still still right up there. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. All right. 
well, let's talk about some news. We got a trailer. We got a trailer. A little bit of Donna in there. You guys still don't think it's the Toy Master or Toy Master? Uh, I, I assumed it was the Toy Maker Celestial or do toy you? Maker. Well, I, not Celestial, but <laughs> the, the Toy yeah, Maker. Yeah, the Toy Maker. <laughs> I'm sold on it being the Toy Maker. Which I have nothing to go off of that, just other than the internet scuttlebutt and the look of his costume. But yeah, I'm kind of the same yeah, way. I'm, I'm I'm on board with it. Why I'm, not? I, I'm still there. I think they they may turn around and surprise us again in eleven months, but I think it is. And we got a shot of um, a couple of comic characters that looks like they're going to canonize. Uh, Beep the Meep makes an appearance, and then I didn't know this until the other day when somebody pointed out there's a. Uh, I think it's a Rarth warrior, which is also in the Starbeast comics. Um, mm. So that's coming soon as well. So, which gave me an idea that I need to talk to you guys about <laughs> afterwards <laughs> that we we should have talked about beforehand. <laughs> that, that's where my brain went, and I forgot. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm I think I'm on the same track. Uh, you, as you. I think you are. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a good trailer, and it it you know certainly wet the appetite for you know, special. It's going to be another year out still. Yeah. But okay, tease me with it. <laughs> I was very surprised we got one so early, considering how far out it is. I thought the same thing, except I think that RTD really felt like he needed to give Who fans something on Christmas, and so I think that's oh, probably yeah. why he decided okay. You don't get a special this year, but we'll give you this little treat. Maybe it'll, you know, hold you over for a little bit. So I liked it. I thought no, it was good. no, it, was it won't. Good. Where's my red nose day special? <laughs> <laughs> Where, where's my mini sode? Give me a full season come. of Palm again while I wait. We may get. We still may get mini sodes. Yeah, very easily could. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, and then the, of course the other thing was we uh, got a uh, sneak peek at the uh, wardrobe for the next Doctor. I like it. I think it looks good on him. I do too pretty sure um, it it's it's very eye-catching but it's also but it's also not you know garish or loud it's mm-hmm. very no i don't even say subdued it's very it, it's very doctor like it, it just it feels like sort of a a modern doctor look and i really like it a lot and it suits him really well it's um a little retro which i kind of like a little vintage look to it with that uh you know, kind of mustard yellow color it very much looks like something that would be easy to throw together as a cosplay outfit, which I'm oh. always appreciative of. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I haven't made up my mind on whether I like it or not. I, I think I have to see it in practicality. I think I need to see him run. <laughs> That's always the determining pants, factor. Doesn't he? he does have full-length pants, which is an automatic upgrade for Jody Whitaker's costume. Uh, no, no ankle showing here. Thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's just... Uh, um, I, that that's kind of the, uh, the the deciding factor. He's he's got those uh, 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 penny loafers or whatever they are, and uh, the the, the jury's out. Thick on soles on them. They do have some thick soles on them, but the jury's out as to whether or not they are uh, uh, corridor practical. So, no, they kind of look like Peter Capaldi's were just not black. Eh, he had a little more almost of an UGG boot kind of kind of thing going on. Eh, his were more co- almost combat boots. These have yeah. a wingtip feature to them but other than that they're pretty similar it's bright but it's also got, got that kind of vet- retro-esque feel to it but still feeling modern at the same time it's, yeah it's it's very much you you put a you put a cape on it and pertwee could have worn it <laughs> you both have said you both have said retro but i just don't i don't see the retro I think it's, it's it's the checkered aspect of the pants and the jacket really yeah. kind of a i think maybe more classic feel to it i don't know there's just something about it that says 70s to me. Huh. I, I, I can't put my finger I mean, on it anymore. And I, honestly, I really the, do think it's the color. The I think coloration, it's, it's got that kind yeah, of avocado I mean, green. The coloration, when I you see that as a refrigerator, yeah. you go, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, it, it, I mean, I don't mean Wait, that in a bad way. Did you say it was avocado green? No, it's got the same feeling of an avocado green. Oh, okay. You see an avocado green appliance and you think to yourself, wow, this you know this kitchen hasn't been updated in a while. That outfit kind of seems like it would be at home in a place with an avocado green refrigerator. They just, <laughs> they, they just you know, you know what I'm saying. It just has that vibe to it. So but I really a, think it's, it's probably just the color. That's it's retro in it. color. I, I'll give you that. I, I still don't get a retro vibe, but I can see where you're associating it with 70s colors. Yeah, 
There you go. Yeah, yeah. that's probably yeah. where my brain wants to say it. Okay. All right. Well, was, time will tell. Eventually, we'll get <laughs> get to see it. Nothing Our, on the companion's outfit. Oh, you know, blues. I mean, she's uh, I, her outfit's cute, but hers is kind of to me was a little more run of the mill modern. So yeah, it, it's it, it, it's it was a cute outfit on her, but it's not something that I went, oh wow, because I have a feeling like most companions, her outfit probably will change. Whereas I don't think shooties will change as much. We might get a, a David Tennant, uh, Matt Smith kind of thing where there's some variation on the outfit. Yeah, maybe, yeah. but I don't see. I don't, you know, I, I see hers probably changing frequently. I just imagine we got to see in that same video that they revealed uh, his outfit. I think we probably got to see um, her f- outfit for the first story that they were filming. So, yeah, I kind of, I'm same boat. I've kind of assumed, no, oh, this is just one of the outfits she'll wear. I agree. And the only thing that I'm a little disappointed with her outfit is it's contemporary which probably means that she's from present day earth. I just kind of figured she was going to be. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of the default setting anymore, but I'm always yeah. hopeful that we'll get somebody that's not from around here. I understand the reasoning. It totally makes sense. And yet I'm, I'm, I'm always hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> not everybody can be Lila the Sabatine. <laughs> this is true. There's only one Lila. You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Cheshke, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Who-niverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. All right, well, let's move on to our reviews. The Time War, Volume 4. From Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, The Eighth Doctor Adventures. The Time War, Volume 4. We are from another universe, one that was at war, or rather one that had recently been at war. We have knowledge of the future. We have to take advantage of that. Ah, Davros, there you are. You're up. You surprise me every day. The time strategist, he's coming for you. Stop him! They're all going to die if you let them do this. You are the doctor. You are the enemy of the dark. Now listen, listen. You don't look quite yourselves. I- I'm sure if we had a chat, we... <laughs> it's party time. <laughs> Shut up and don't move. Oh, sorry, who are you? You don't know. Never seen you before in my life. Stop. Come on. Make a move. I'd love you to find out exactly what a Dalek gun does to someone. Exterminate! We will return restored, stronger, immortal, and we will rain down fire upon you and all your people! Big finish. We love stories. Whole planets have shifted. Some have vanished altogether. War is over. But there is no peace. Palindrome. The Eighth Doctor and Bliss are dragged into the Time War as the Daleks replenish their army using Davros himself. In an alternate universe, Davros lives in peace until the Doctor and Bliss arrive and the Daleks emerge in a new reality. Bum, bum, bum. We're reviewing part one and part two together, right? We're not going to break these. Yeah. Up. Okay. <laughs> then I will I will concur somewhat with that bum, bum, bum. I concur with the bum, bum, bum. I thought it was fantastic. It's, it's a story that, um, I mean, for, for, well, for, first of all, for us, the elephant in the room, palindrome stories are hard. <laughs> the first short that we worked on was a, a time travel bit with palindromes, and the months and months and months that went into trying to make sure that things lined up and that the story made sense forwards and backwards and on and on and on and on. And, uh, there, 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 there was a tiny piece of me that died listening to this because they made it look easy. 
it, it, it's so well written. Um, but it's also not a 100% true palindrome. Right, like and that's right. I would agree. The, the I end, think the end diverges from that and becomes right. something else. They don't go. And that's, that's very true. I don't, don't want to call it a cheat, but it, it has an out. Right. That, they don't go. Have, they don't go full bore into the gimmick that we did, and I think that's why it works well for them. So. Yeah, because it, it never feels like you're retra- you're retreading the same events, but it's so different perspective from when you listen to it the first time that it doesn't feel like a retread at all right right now i i starting it off and uh, you know getting this uh, befuddled little scientist and his wife and i kept listening to him guys man that really sounds like uh, terry malloy <laughs> and then she called him davros and i went oh okay <laughs> what what is happening here what are we doing um and and then and then they died and then he woke up. And so, you know, when, when you get that right off the bat, day five, like, oh, I, I thought it was like a, just a just a cracker story. I, I really liked the way this was set up. Um, I think probably my only problem with it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you guys might remember better than I. I want to say it's Inferno when they shunt the Doctor into an alternate parallel universe. Isn't there some spiel or or line that Pertwee gives about how much this doesn't happen and that the the, the parallel universe thing is is it, it's so incredibly extremely rare that uh this was such a fluke that he he wound up there and they really for the most part hadn't touched parallel if, if i'm thinking correctly doctor that was kind of doctor who's thing is you have all in time and space to play with but you don't do alternate dimensions you don't do parallel worlds and it really wasn't until uh, uh the pete's world cybermen that we kind of got another one if i'm thinking of this correctly i don't remember uh well enough you might be right okay yeah, I, I think you're pretty close i can't remember fully either i, I genuinely want to say that it was a rule maybe not a hard and fast rule but it, it was a kind of a rule that they had but established I, within the show that yeah you just I do don't think do it's that. a rule that Big Finish hasn't adhered to as much as the televised stories. So this is like also Big true. Finish has done more multiverse type stories, especially throughout this time more obviously, um, than the TV show has. And I, I, I've, I've kind of still chalked it up to alternate timelines does not necessarily equal alternate universe or or you know and it really wasn't until the timeless child uh, uh saga kind of came along and said oh no this is a thing uh which is another reason why i didn't like that particular story was because it felt like well you're spitting in the face of this kind of sort of hard and established rule that i really need to go look up and see if it's a thing and then maybe i'll feel better about it <laughs> but this one really kind of takes the whole yeah, it's probably, we're doing just as as an, 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 it's probably just as hard as and established as, you know, the 13 generations. But um, that's probably the only real qualm that I, I, I have with this one. And, and it very easily could be fixed if I'm remembering this incorrectly. So somebody out there in, in, in listening land, let me know if I'm crazy. But uh, it just it just seems like we kicked open the door and went, yep, multiverse. Everybody's doing it. So here's ours. And the whole story is hinged around this idea of merging all these different universes in order to have infinite Daleks, which is a terrifying idea. I mean, oh my God, can you imagine? I think well, that's... And honestly, they did this back in 2020. Yeah. So they would have done it kind of before everybody else started doing it. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say is when, when, this first, when, when it first started to reveal this whole multiverse idea, I sort of thought the same thing. I thought, okay, is this just Doctor Who's jumping on the band? <gasps> excuse me, jumping on the bandwagon of the multiverse thing that's happening this year. And then I thought, well, no, I'm just because I'm listening to it this year doesn't mean that it was released this year. And I did the same. I looked back and I went, oh, this is 2020. So they actually were kind of on the forefront of this before everybody really kind of started jumping on this bandwagon. So, of course, I mean, Loki was, what, two years ago. So, I mean, they were already working on it, but... Working towards it. Working towards it, Well, Loki, Spider-Man, there there have been several... um, um, but so I, I thought the same thing, but then I was, I, I was okay with it. I also, I, I don't, I'm not, even if that is something that was established, I, they have been so played so fast and loose with the lore of Dr. Who 
for for years with everything, with lots of stuff. And I think everybody, anybody that gets upset over something being, you know, completely, I if it if it just completely spits in the face of something that's established, then yeah, it bugs me a little bit. But little things like this, I, I, to me, this isn't a big deal. I mean, if if like you said, the the empty the empty child kind of blew that wide open for us first. Um, and this even was before that, right? Uh, yeah. Or an empty Wasn't child, it? not empty child. Uh, timeless child. Timeless child. Thank you. Uh, but this, yeah, I think those were probably even right around the same time. So I, you know, well, and, and the multiverse thing was really kind of pushed more just even recently with Flex. So, or Flex. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, I, I, I don't think I had so much of a problem with them playing fast and loose with the idea of, of a multiverse. Um, I think that the the thing that I felt was a little unsettling was the fact that it was really stretching my brain to make sure that they were making it work right. And I think I think I've landed on everything does work out, and it almost requires a second listen to 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 see if I could nitpick any points where I think they kind of got the continuity wrong. But overall, I think they did a really good job. And overall, I enjoyed it. And I was like you. When I heard Terry Malloy, we fortunately have had the benefit of meeting Terry Malloy and knowing what he sounds like in real life. And so it was very much a, this sounds familiar. And then when she says Davros, it was almost like cementing. I was kind of like you, Sean. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, so this is this is Terry Malloy. This, he's doing Davros here. Um, there were, I think, a few dropped... Um, things that uh, called back to the I Davros series, which unfortunately we haven't all reviewed. Um, I did listen to that series years back. Um, so there were some, a little nuggets of callbacks to that, uh, that I, I was, I thought not just little ones, just little hints to it, um, that I was pleased with, but yeah, overall, I just, I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was, it was pretty well done, very well done and hopefully, uh, structured, well enough that it makes sense yeah I, th- I think it was probably one of the best big finish stories that we've listened to in a long time I, th- I think the way it's structured the way they execute it all just fits so well together and then you know doesn't it does take the turn at the end to take it so it's not a true palindrome but that's okay because that's where the story needs to go in order to not just be a constant loop anyways right. you gotta have to break that loop to move forward and my only my only small complaint is it was cool to have the oh nightmare child reference but then afterwards i thought to myself well why would they do that when they they didn't establish how the davros how the daleks ever brought davros back or how he was brought into the time war that's never been really explained and this would be a fantastic up. story of how it happens yeah this this story would be the most epic way to bring Davros back into the, and also why he kind of looks and sounds a little bit different from when we've seen him in the past because he's a different variation of Davros. It it would fit a lot of things for Davros's timeline and make it make more sense had that one little drop line not been in the story. I had sort of felt like they were going there with it. Um, but yeah, they do drop the fact that, you know, he was presumed dead after what they said, presumed dead after facing the night, the nightmare child or something like that. Yeah. And then you hear him talk about that too. Yeah. So it just, I think it, that is the only part of it that brings it down for me is the, in the scope of the bigger picture that kind of drops it a little yeah. bit. And we do st- sort of start to establish and unravel why what's happening is happening because of the events that the were valued <laughs> valued mm-hmm. did previously. And that ended up causing the uh, time, time strategist to have to kind of take this approach to uh, bringing the, uh, the Daleks back. So, yeah, it, this whole box that retroactively fixes my yeah. problems with the last story, which I kind of figured I, it would. It's, um, I, I want to throw out, first of all, uh, my hat is off to uh, Nick Briggs once again for not only providing the voices of the Daleks and doing so in 
his usual outstanding stellar way. In particular, his time strategist, which has this nasty rumble <laughs> to, to the weight of this thing. Um, and 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 when it, uh, we'll get a little bit more into the the the, the, more the final. But when this thing talked, it was like yeesh. <laughs> and uh, this, it's it's one that I was listening to in the car, and um, had it on for just a little bit. Uh, while Mel and Shy were in the car with me. So I had to stop and kind of explain to Mel what was going on so that she wasn't completely lost. Started it back up. And Shy pipes up from the back seat. I don't like that monster. <laughs> Which my first, you know, uh, you know, my, my first instinct was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my second was, oh my God, I've been making her listen to this. I kind of forgot that she was there for a minute. <laughs> They're talking about horrible genetic manipulation and things, and the time strategist is going on and on and on. It's like, oh, yeah, let's uh, we'll listen to that the, later. Then. The Wiggles, okay, here we'll put some of this on. <laughs> but yeah, he, I mean, he, he creeped me out in, in several scenes just, just listening to that bombastic, you know, the bass that <laughs> emanated out of that thing was incredible. Um, but yeah, just just all around, this was a really cool story, and I agree with Keith. It's like this this is a you know, as far as I'm concerned now, it's 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 in my head canon. I don't really care if the Nightmare Child reference doesn't work or not. Uh, for me, this is kind of how Davros came back, and I'm just gonna. Yep, it would be nice if we had the you know, in addition to this grand timeline of the Time War, if we had where certain events in proper Who were inserted into this, so that we kind of knew if if we knew. Is this all meant to be set up before this or from different people? Although, I suppose it could just be from different people's perspectives. Although it does, I guess, so explain how Davros... Well, no, because that's kind of resolved in the David Tennant story anyways. Never mind. I was going to say it could explain how the nightmare, how he escaped from the Nightmare Child to be with the 12th Doctor later down the road, but the 10th Doctor story takes care of that anyways. Yeah. And then there, there's that part of me that just has to accept that, uh, you know, Doctor Who villains are never killed, even when they are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> I, I just need to let that go, that I'm not going to get the explanation of how the Master got out of the fire when we saw him burn alive in the Fifth Doctor era and then comes back. I'm just not going to get that. <laughs> I need to let go of it. <laughs> Am I remembering wrong that the Time Strategist was also in Time Lord Victorious? I think or he was. Or is that just a different... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he was, yeah. It's, it's, is it the same strategy? Yeah, it's the same strategy. Do we think? Yep, yep. And in fact, I kind of got the impression... Well, I, I think we're going to get there, but I got the impression that this was where... Uh, I, 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 my headcanon was this is where he ends up bringing the uh, Emperor back, and this is the Emperor that we end up with in the Daleks series that we got as well. Oh, okay. I got the... And I got the impression that this was where this has happened, that he's brought the Emperor into the picture. So, Which, for me, this whole multiverse thing uh, is a wonder for me. I, I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit of more course, in a little bit. Of course but, it's a wonder for you, more well, Alex. <laughs> it, it, well, it's, yeah, but it also, well, it, fixes it, it also fixes everything because now I can say, okay, well, those Daleks from the comics back in the 1960s that had a completely different origin story, well, of course they did because they're from another dimension and they were actually, everything was pulled across, you know, together as one. So, I, yeah, this all works really well for making everything <laughs> canon Dalek wise it makes everything canon and just the scream of the shock suddenly works as a different universe that this regeneration went differently here right right it really does <laughs> hi I'm Rupert Booth I am known as Paul Ferry and my name is Barry Williams together we host Time Ram Time Ram's a cruel mistress it's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex.
Should we move on to Dreadshade? Yeah, absolutely. Before we keep talking about restoration of the dollars. <laughs> <laughs> the Time Lords, including the General and the Twelve, adjust the life after the Time War until the Doctor and Bliss return with a warning. This is this is this is an odd backhanded compliment. <laughs> this is the weakest story in the box set. But it's still pretty darn good. I just don't know that they resolved anything in the course of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah no, I, totally. I kind of you're, thought about this. You're too, absolutely and, right. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't really resolve anything, but it's important to take that step back and get into the mindset of the rest of the universe in order to understand where they are and why they into the why you know they don't remember the Daleks and how the time war has officially ended and all of all of this world building and situations basically setting up so they can resolve it in the next story it's all it's it's essentially a penultimate episode to a story that has been brewing since back in the last box set and it's moving all the pieces into the correct place in order so they can have the finale they need to have. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's, it is a necessary uh, story because of everything you just said, but it really does kind of feel like it's a bit unresolved as well. Like Sean was saying. And I think had it not come at the, on the heels of palindrome, it probably would be considered a much better story too. Yeah. That's, that's probably true. Also a very, very valid yeah. point, yeah. which I don't know if you guys listened to the bonus features, but palindrome was originally intended for the previous <coughs> box set. Oh, is that right? The previous box set. Oh, I didn't know that. And they, for whatever reason, I can't remember why they had to bump it. And so they got the Ballyard story written and put in there. And that's and so it kind of just shuffled everything out. Well, it was probably a COVID thing because they were shuffling a lot of stuff around when people could do it and, and getting people yeah. ready to ready to record in closets and things like that. So yeah, I don't think they ever really specified. Which I suppose that's an added um, I- impressive tip of the cap is not just that you know we got this absolute banger of a. Uh, uh, a story, uh, you know, in this box set, but the fact that they made this during this is, you know, this is 2020, this is the COVID year, and they made this. It's like, wow, <laughs> nice telling guys. I didn't do much in, during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel really inadequate because you yeah. tapped my, uh, you tapped you tap my talent story that I did when I wasn't sick, <laughs> you did it while everybody was sick. <laughs> I think my my biggest complaint about this one, and it's it's more of a just a, a preference thing and not a story issue, is I really the dread shade. I like the concept of it, but the way that she performs the character was almost grating on my nerves, and yeah. I like the idea of a dangerous entity because it the reaction to its fear of something is what creates that energy that becomes then a defense. And in this case, a weapon, the, the concept of that was really cool, but I really could have done, I think that the, the actress could have dialed it back a little bit uh, in the, in the maybe, and maybe the, the dread shade gets too much dialogue. Maybe that's what it is. And she feels like, because what she has, she's trying to, in audio present the fact that she's, you know, fearful, very fearful of the time Lords, very fearful of the, eventually the Daleks again. Um, I think that that was probably her pushing it in order to convey that, but maybe if there had been a lot less, uh, doing that as the character and a little lot more surrounding characters explaining it better. I think maybe we, that wouldn't have been as grating, but that was my, really my biggest complaint about this was I just felt that that was a little her, her performance, not nothing against the actress because she was also two war, which was, she, she did fine. But um, just as the dread shaded, she was just a bit too over the top. I thought. I can see that. Yeah. 
It's hard to say a lot of good things. I mean, it's hard to say a lot of things about this when Palindrome is such a good story. <laughs> yeah. Well, and when this one is so much of them trying to figure out what's going on and right. why they don't remember what the, this war was. Right. We all know what it is. So it's like, it's interesting to listen to, but we're also drumming our fingers going, okay, well, get to what we know, what we know. Yeah. Right, right. Come on, catch up. I also am um, a little torn over the 12 because while at least within what we've reviewed, we've not had a whole lot of exposure to the other personas. Right. Um, but the last time that we uh, saw her ostensibly working as a force for good because of her inhibitor, I genuinely enjoyed the character and I was really intrigued to find out more about what we didn't know. And now that same character has suddenly been flipped and it, it, it kind of, I don't know. It seemed flipped without a, without a, without a catalyst almost. They just, Oh, the inhibitor's not working and I'm going to use this to my advantage. Let me out and I'll help you. I, I just, but again, maybe that's just because I don't know enough about. Well, I understand too. why they did that, though, because it, the catalyst was only, or the inhibitor was only in place because of the time war and the fact that they were fighting the Daleks and the events that led up to it that nobody remembers. Uh, so it's kind, of the, true. it's kind of the same reason why the Dread Shade. Can, is no longer paralyzed by fear when the 12 comes across her because she forgot the Daleks and doesn't know what it is. So it's all, I think everything kind of ties back into that memory loss of what the Valyard did. Yeah, that's true. What was, <clears throat> what was the story with River Song that she went and picked up Bliss before she had encountered the Doctor yet? Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? Didn't that was been- the one... Doesn't that she... was the one with, uh, it was another version of the 12, but not the 12 yet. I think where it was, that was the 9, the... wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, something like, no, whichever one was, or was it the Maniac, where they're all prisoners. I think the yeah. All the companions. Yeah. Collect, companion collecting. And so yeah. I th- there was a dropped line where Bliss remembers that, right? When she's starting to regain her memories, doesn't she remember the events? Because I thought she yeah. name-dropped everybody in that. Or maybe she just said... It's, I I remember hearing that and thinking, oh, okay, they finally have tied this in. I was expecting maybe maybe and maybe they will later, but I was sort of expecting more of a connection to that. But at some point, but they they do at least mention it now. So, I th- yeah, I think it was when she regains her memories. She regains her memories of all the because that was supposed to be an alternate version of her. Yeah, based yeah, off yeah. of the bliss story we had in the beginning of the last box set. And right. now she has that memory in addition to all the other ones that she had lost. Right, right. It was nice having uh, the general being um, Ken Bones, who is not the general we know from, you know, Day of the Doctor and Time of the Doctor and the televised stories. Makes for a nice bit of continuity through thread there. Yeah, yeah. Because I think this is the first time we've come across him, so I'm looking forward to, now that he's here, that it kind of helps tie into that continuity. All right, well, let's move on to the next one. Restoration of the Daleks. The Time Strategist restores the Dalek armies to the universe, but wants to dispense with the Abros. As good as Palindrome is, I really feel like this matches it for being the epic finale piece. My only qualm with this one is it felt like maybe it was about 10 minutes too long. Yeah, I I think at the end... It's just a little stuffed. At the end, it sort of feels like it's dragged out a bit. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's a, it's a very Russell uh, Russell T kind of <laughs> the season finale, right? Blo- bloating the last story, yeah, yeah, I would agree. 
but uh, again, just about every I, 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 I love anachronistic planets that are, oh, we've got swords and science. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that stuff. Um, I, I, I love the, uh, you know, oh, this, uh, this poor man's helping us out. Yeah, well, we know who that is, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the interplay between the Doctor and Davros, how they continue to manage to pick up on that conversation from Genesis. And it, it feels like that, you know, that idea has just carried forth in every iteration of every conversation that they've ever had between the two of them. We're still dealing with that same argument. And I love that. Um, and then, uh, of course, Davros being Davros, he's got a, a, a trick up his sleeve with this. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now we can do this. And there would be different Daleks to destroy the Daleks. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it just, you know, it's, it's all shades of, uh, of of remembrance. that There's a Dalek civil war that raged because some of them were loyal to him and some of them were loyal to the Emperor. And, oh, surprise, we brought the Emperor back. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just put it in my ear holes. I need more. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> you know? I just, I just sat there with the, you know, just, I am along for the ride. Take me. <laughs> I'm gushing. Somebody else take over. Cause I, just... I, th I thought it was good. I don't know if it was as good as that, but I can't kind of explain why it didn't feel that way. I think maybe that overstuffed aspect of it felt like there was just so much going on that it was hard to, it wasn't, it was a little hard to kind of keep up and keep going with it. I'll agree with that, but I didn't feel that way until much closer to the end. Like I yeah. was totally on board with every decision they made throughout this, throughout the run of this thing. Um, and even bliss managing to talk the time Lords into coming down and rescuing people. And it's like, Oh yeah, the Calvary's finally here. It's time. You know, we're going to get these Tardises landing and people are, you know, piling in and yay. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't until the end bit that it was just like okay wrap it up <laughs> i'm exhausted <laughs> um yeah I, I i kind of agree i think that i i think what i liked a lot about this was that the the doctor the doctor really feels like he's on his uh forefooting on this one as well because he's sort of manipulating both sides of this. He's using the time strategist, time strategist against Davros. In turn, he's using Davros against the time strategist, who is in turn using the emperor against Davros. I think that I liked that, the way that the doctor is kind of manipulating things and always seems to be just one step ahead of, of what everybody else is doing. And so I, I kind of like that aspect of it because it seems like a lot of the doctor stories that we've been listening to, the doctor feels like he's been on his back footing. And I think part of that's because the eighth doctor's reluctance to get involved in the time war. And so I think that that's why the stories that preceded this sort of felt like, sort of felt like they were having to put him off his guard for the most part. And I think that, mm -hmm. I, and Palindrome, I think does a good job of putting him on, on the, or the, on the forefront as well. The, the problem with that one is, is he doesn't see it coming because time has been running backwards in such a way. But in this one, it's very much him seeing the cards in front of him and playing the, the cards, right. I liked that about this story. And he's really not in Palindrome all that much. No, he's not. Either. Yeah. So, it's a very uh, Dr. Light story. This is kind of a nice reshifting of, despite all of the chaos and everything that's going on, putting that spotlight back where it belongs. Right, right. And and, and letting him deal with the, the chaos of the events. And I think Bliss throughout this box set has been has been fairly solid too. I like I really liked her relationship that she's developed with Rasmus, despite the Doctor's, yeah. you know chagrin i guess no, i don't that's not the right word but you know he would probably rather them not have this sort of friendship and camaraderie but the fact yeah. that they have it and she's going to utilize it when it when she needs to i mean it almost feels like there's almost a friendship there too that i i like 
Mm-hmm. Well, and his, it his her feel less dependent on the doctor and more okay, right. I can do my own thing. And her his trust in her also makes it beneficial for them. So I, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And that was a large part of the last box set too, because those two went off together to other planet. Yeah, that's came true. Back. And so it helped build that groundwork. I just continue to love Bliss. <laughs> I, I I almost hesitate to say this, but it's in some ways it feels a little bit like Clara done right because we start with this kind of impossible problem that she's a paradox that she exists and doesn't because of the time war. And we delve a little bit into it and then kind of sort of wrap it up and allow her to be her own person as opposed to continually roping her back into this. You're a thing, you're a plot device as opposed to a, a character. Yeah. 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 That's a little harsh, but a little harsh on, on Clara writing. But we, we've been down that road before. <laughs> no need to rehash all of that. All yeah, right, well, I let's... was just super impressed with it across the board. Yeah. yeah no, the, I... the, the entire box set overall, I think, is probably one of the best Eighth Doctor Time War box sets that, that they've done. And probably one of the best overall Time War stories spread out. Starting with the Valyard stuff, leading all the way through this has been a fantastic run. Yeah, yeah. I concur. All right, well, let's move on to our next piece, which to me maybe slides us back a little bit, but go ahead. This is not in the right place. <laughs> a heart on both sides. After her medical work on Terminus, this is now the controller of a hospital ship, the Trocken. As the universe burns in the crossfire of the Time War, she and her assistant travel to a planet close to Gallifrey where they are needed more than ever. A long time ago, Nissa knew a Time Lord and understood his people, but it seems they can change. Ah... Um, this should have been the setup to that Warmaster story. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you 100%. I'm not, I can't for the life of me. I didn't dislike this story. I think this story was a, no, a was... good little, um, what it is, a short trip. It was an interesting little story from a companion's perspective, companion's point of view. I, I honestly did not right away get that the assistant that was the doctor for a while. It did take yeah. me a little while to go, oh, wait a minute. Okay, that, that totally makes sense because it's, you know, gradually revealed that, that, that he's a Time Lord. And then it's gradually revealed that it is the Eighth Doctor. And never they never lets on to Nyssa who he is. Um, and so it was, it's a nice little self-contained story. But all along, because of where this, where it's been placed in this guide that we were using, all along I'm... I'm distracted because i'm trying to figure out why it's here and it, there's yeah. absolutely no reason for it to be here it totally should have been with the the war doctor story that she was in this yeah. explains how she was doing what she was doing in that story exactly yeah which i appreciate the i appreciate the callback i appreciate nissa again maybe it's maybe you're right maybe it's the placement it, it just felt really completely unnecessary it feels like a retread. Yeah, that's the other thing is because that, of the placement. Because of it's... the placement, and because of the fact that we've had the War Master on the Trocken doing, uh, or it may not have been the Trocken at the time. I don't know if they were actually named it. I'm but... not sure they named it back then, but I don't which think is they did. which is strange that they didn't because didn't this release before that one? Yeah, it did. yeah. So I was I was kind of surprised they did not use that. But it just. Um... Yeah, I mean, it, it just—it was just a, a, a bit of a bit of all right. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, it was. It wasn't. And maybe again, maybe it's just because we came off of Time War, and now we're dealing with a much smaller story, um, you know, in, in scope and uh, a companion chronicle. That uh, maybe I just listened to them, two of them, too close together, and I needed a break between them, and that may have helped my impression of it. But it, it was—it was just kind of there. It was all right. Yeah. You know, I, I certainly didn't hate it. Um, Although I felt that I was really kind of waiting for the reveal that the uh, oh what was the uh, what was the villain's name here? Uh, I don't remember what her name was? Uh... Isherwood. Yeah, Isherwood's the villain, right? Yeah, and and, and maybe this was intentional, but it, when when she first points out that she's got this scar on her chest because of this attack, I'm like, oh well, here's your time lord. 
<laughs> you know, this, this this is the renegade time lord that she physically cut one of her hearts out yeah, in yeah. order to to have this this thing. Um, and so I felt that was telegraphed way early that, that that she's in on it, and then it didn't quite work out that way. So I was like, oh, all right, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe. I know it was all right. I I, I think the I, other. I think, th- I think had we listened to this at a different time in the the timeline, it would have been a really cool. Oh, that's because we know this is out there in the universe, and so it's one. It's it's that question of well, what's this companion doing during the time war? And that's really what the story does is poses that question and tells us. Right. Yeah. I, and I, I continue to admire Nissa and her her morals and her ethics and. Right, you know, helping where she can, and uh, I, I, for some reason, I feel like this one did a little bit more in kind of helping to cement the idea that yes, she did cure the issue on Terminus before yeah. she went off and said, I don't know why I didn't get that impression from the other story, but you know, the other story was just like, oh, she's on a ship. This one, I really felt like she fixed terminus and now she's doing this and then she will meet the master. So I, I, I liked it for that element. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that I, I felt that I think it was a little too, it was a little too wordy. There was a lot, there was too much conversation and it's hard to do when you're having, doing these short stories where the companion is actually sort of narrating what happened, but it's almost a little too much character talking rather than, action happening or anything so there's not a lot of action set around this so it becomes just more of a, a wordy wordy story um, characters moving from one place to another just talking to each other and i think that yeah. was the other other problem that i had with it yeah i can see that i think it even tripped up at the, the at the end that there was a continuity error between one of the offside stage directions of what a character was doing and then suddenly they were on the other side of the room doing this and it was like Right, right. Okay. Because <laughs> you've been so careful about dictating. <laughs> they moved here. They yeah. went and did this. They There was a lot. I get what you're saying. There yeah. was a lot of that kind of um, yeah. wordiness to it. Right. They all say who is Doctor Who. Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Rusbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. All right, Sean. Well, what do we got coming up next on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule, we will finish Act Two of the Time War uh, by kind of stepping away from the Time War for uh, uh, in a weird way. Uh, we're doing <laughs> classic Doctors, new monsters, um, box set two, and we will cover all four stories. Uh, within that box set, but only the fourth story, Day of the Vashti Narada, uh, ties into the proceedings of the Time War. And we will kind of give a brief, you know, a very brief cursory overglue of uh, the other uh, uh, stories in that set, uh, of set one that kind of fit into this and where Day of the Vashti Narada slots in between them. Yeah. Um, but uh, we will do that, and that will finish off the uh, proceedings of Act 2. And I think Glenn should uh, uh, retype this whole schedule and move a heart on both sides to where it should go. <laughs> and just say that this this is the traveling the, this is the official approved yeah. traveling the vortex. Well, time. I think there's a couple I, other things. I, I was going to say I, we, I'd have to go back and refresh myself on there were a few other things that there that I think I would shift around a, a little bit because, as well because we, because we were all going why is this one here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and that uh, that will finish off Act Two, and then uh, before we get into Act Three, we have some uh, some some fun 60th anniversary, the year of the 60, uh, 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 Dealey Bobbers coming up. So uh, you can uh, go listen for that. 
And you can find us at our website, travelingvortex.com. If you get some value out of this podcast, why not put some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on the Patreon link, that, link there on our website and uh, consider supporting us. When you become a patron of this podcast, you unlock more audios and specials by us. And you can just, if you, even if you could just give a, a dollar a month, that helps us keep the lights on here at Traveling the Vortex. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to the podcast and join in the conversation on our listeners forum in Facebook. In Facebook? On Facebook. Anything before we close this show? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.